All right. Another limited upside podcast summer edition team preview, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, shout out to Bloggables, our SB Nation community, one of our oldest I don't know if it's the oldest, but one of the oldest espionage communities. Check that out. Today, we were actually uh, had a couple different fellows on. Two extremely knowledgeable Bulls fans. One a sad one. Well, I guess they were both kind of sad. But that was SB Nation NBA and College Hoops editor and sad Bulls fan, Ricky O'Donnell. And then managing editor of Today's FastBreak.com, Jason Pat. They were both tremendous. Preda, as always, gave us lots of layers into this and asked some some poignant questions. I think the fan questions were really strong today, too. We always appreciate those, and you can send those fan questions to us at limited underscore upside on Twitter. You can always hit up Mike at Mike Prada at SBNation.com. Send them those email questions. Those are great. We get to them, and again, today's were poignant. We got to almost all of them, and I think the answers to them are pretty good as well. So you'll like those. Last thing, before you listen to the podcast, go subscribe to us. Go rate and review us. Find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate the reviews. We appreciate the uh, comments. They're fantastic. And again, those questions, the comments, the reviews, all that stuff, we like doing that because it helps us do better podcasts. So we appreciate it when we get that feedback from the fans. I think you're really going to like this Bulls preview. So enjoy. All right, friends, the Chicago Bulls. That was a weird offseason the Chicago Bulls had, wasn't it? So Derrick Rose is out. Dwayne Wade is in. Rajon Rondo is in. Uh, Robin Lopez and some other assorted Knicks are in. This team is very odd. Like, what what happened? Yeah, so uh, let's see. It basically started with the Derrick Rose. Like you said, they traded Rose. It was like a shock to the system, I guess, when it happened. There had been talk about it happening. It happened. They got, what, Robin Lopez, Jerry, and Grant out of it. And they thought once that happened, all right, the Bulls are good. They're ready to move. They're ready to move on kind of from the Tibbs era. They're ready to start this new thing. General manager Gar Foreman had his whole younger and more athletic thing. And all right, they're gonna they're gonna move on. They're ready to do that. And then there was I remember it kind of hit social media that Rajon Rondo was caught at O'Hare Airport with a like an iPad. That's just like the Bulls thing, giving out iPads with the Bulls logo. And it's uh, like a it's like a Jeter baseball, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, it kind of blew up, and they're like, oh, there's no way the Bulls are actually gonna do this, right? Like and. And then, so they got Rondo, which is crazy. And then the Wade stuff blew up, and with him in the heat, I didn't think that. And there was the whole thing with Wade and the reporting with Woj, and like the Bulls were going to go fly out to meet him. And then they said the flight was delayed, or they couldn't catch a flight. Oh, it was I like typical that. Bulls. This is like a, it's a just typical nonsense. And then it came out that they all right, he's actually going to sign with the Bulls. So it was like, what is even happening here? So like. So you go from younger and more athletic, moving on from Noah, moving on from Rose, moving on from Pagasol, to bringing in 30-plus-year-old guys in Wade and Rondo when the fit is weird with Hoiball and Fred Hoiberg, whatever the heck Hoiball is. No one actually knows what that is yet. It's supposed to be up-tempo three-pointers. They bring in non-shooters and older guys. So right now it's kind of it's kind of a mess. There's some way where maybe it could work you see, because there, there is some talent there. Rondo... Used to be really good. D Wade is still pretty good. Has his moments, but he's also 35, 36. You have Jimmy Butler, who's obviously one of the be- better players in the NBA. You have Robin Lopez, there's solid center, not great. He's a solid replacement for Noah. But it's just kind of with this coach and with this mix of players, I'm just not really sure where they're ca- trying to go besides trying to stay relevant, get some playoff revenue back for Jerry Reinsdorf, because I can't imagine Jerry was happy. And then they'll and they'll try to recruit a free agent with D Wade next summer. I th- I think that's what the plan is, but I'm not totally sure. They have no plan, is what I wanted to say. Like, <laughs> you know, you just look how this offseason unfolded, and I think you have to be kidding yourself if they think that they believe they were going to get Dwayne Wade all along. I think that really they got Wade because of how he felt so scorned uh, from you know Riley lowballing him at the beginning of their negotiations. Uh, I, I think the Bulls never, never realistically thought they had a chance at him, and when they, when it appeared they did have a chance, they had to go get him. 
Uh, it just all comes back to the fact, though, that they didn't really enter this offseason with any semblance of what they were doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, to them, it probably worked out. Uh, maybe they'll be able to sell some more tickets with Dwayne Wade. Maybe he gets them back into the playoffs. This team was, you know, the, the team with the best record who didn't make it last season. Uh, but, you know, to me, there's just no plan going on right now. And this is a total, like, Band-Aid year of waiting for, you know, the younger half of this roster to get better while... Hopefully, uh, I guess from the team's perspective, Wade can get those young guys some playoff experience, teach them how to be professionals and, you know, uh, try to help them avoid a season where they're, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. Can, can we can we try to define what hoy ball is real quick? Like what you would de- define that as in the NBA, like in, in not in Iowa State, I realistic terms, but like what hoy ball was last season. Can you just throw that out there and then tell me where you think? these players might fit into that strategically. Um, I know Prada, you were mentioning today, we might be the best one here because it's sort of a Prada's pictures, X's and O's thing. Where do you think these players fit in? What are the advantages of having like a Rondo on the court now, maybe for some of those tertiary players to, to space it and then actually have, you know, that, that wing splashing areas open for your Butler and Wade, who are going to occupy the kind of mid range game in him. If we go back to when Hoiberg was actually hired to mm-hmm. replace Tibbs and they kind of sold us on the, they're going to pick up the pace. They're going to shoot more three-pointers because with the Warriors winning the championship, that's what the league was going that way with pace and space and stuff like that. So they're they're going to try to do that. The the old the team that they had whatever last year wasn't exactly the best fit for that. They still had kind of the they tried to they tried to work Miritich in as a stretch four instead of and that's why they benched Noah. It didn't really work. They did play a little faster, but they didn't it didn't really the offense was I think ranked Bottom five or bottom Pretty ten, bad, yeah, yeah, an offensive rating, twenty fifth so in the league or something like that. Yeah, so it didn't actually work. So that's where I thought when they talked about getting younger and more athletic and maybe add more shooting this offseason, that's what they were going to do. But instead, they they add Rondo and they add Wade, and they're not exactly shooters. Rondo has improved his three point shot a little bit, but a lot of it's just because teams don't really guard him, so he's just shooting wide open threes. I mean, the fact that he still yeah. made, shot like thirty five percent from three last year, it's still pretty good, but. It's still teams sagging off and sagging into the lane. So when you look at look at that into this year's team, when you have Butler, who's he's an inconsistent shooter. Wade isn't a three point shooter unless we're talking about last year's playoffs when he shot eighty percent, eighty percent, not a three point <laughs> shooter. So when you look at that this team with this starting lineup at least, and some even the bench as well. The bench is probably better suited to play Hoy ball than the starters. And you look at it, they don't really have that ideal spacing that you theoretically want. I, I would guess they're going to start Miritich again at the four because I feel like they kind of have to. I mean, they're not. They who else would they start? I guess Portis or Taj Gibson. I don't think. I think Portis is good enough yet to do that. So I think you have to start Nico at the four to get some semblance of spacing. And then with the wings, I mean, I know they say you can kind of create some spacing with the cutting. With Butler and Wade can cut. Rondo can. Rondo can find guys. I know he he is kind of a guy who. You say he pads his assists. He still has good vision. He still can find guys. So I guess they're going to try to get them spacing with Miritich. They'll try to get Rondo to, I guess, push the ball occasionally in transition. I know he's not the best transition player. He turns the ball over a lot. Not a great finisher. So I guess your best case scenario is basically you try to use the, the cutting to create spacing. Miritich shoots some threes. And then hopefully their bench, which has a bunch of young guys like uh, McDermott, Denzel Valentine, Jerry and Grant. Isaiah Cannon or Cannon, I don't know. Isaiah Cannon, Isaiah Cannon is the worst. He is. <laughs> the, I, I I swear, like, um, well, you'll you'll find out yourself. I don't want to ruin the surprises for you, but he can only take long distance threes, and he is not a point guard in any capacity whatsoever. He's a he's a miniature two guard with no defensive ability and questionable shot selection. Wow. Okay, Ben. All right. Um, I, I, mean, I watched him play like a hundred and something games, and you make it takes two to figure that out. You're right. You're right. I it's just it's just bizarre. Like I don't understand. The thing, whole thing with with Hoyball that you didn't mention, it's not just the shooting, it's the movement. They all, it, they're quick decisions, and the whole point is to get it up early and swing it around and get into something quick. And Rondo holds the ball, Wade holds the ball a lot. And one of the things that happened last year, there was some a little bit of a rift between Butler and Hoiberg early in the year, was centered reportedly around because Butler kind of likes his isolation mid-post touches to hold the ball. So you've got three guys that hold the ball, and they're supposed to play in a system that is meant for quick ball movement. It's just very bizarre. And I think what happened to the Bulls this summer is that 
they were a little naive with the way the money and the landscape was going to be. I think they really did not think that some of the players that went for the amount of money that they did would go for that. And they were unwilling to pony up for some of these young wings or young players on long-term deals. And so they, everybody went elsewhere. They left, they're kind of left holding the bag with nothing. And what they end up getting, they decide, let's just do short-term contracts for these, for Rondo and Wade will be relevant. We maybe will sneak in with the, to the playoffs with the kind of uh, veteran production they have. And then maybe next year we're a free agent target, but it's the bandaid. That's the bandaid. It to me was just a naive strategy. I mean, I understand the, the idea of, not wanting to overpay, but look at the market. Like you're going to have to pony pay these players. Like you couldn't possibly, I it just, it was, it seems odd that they would be surprised that people went for a lot of money that they may have wanted. And I don't know quite why they didn't think that. It, to me, it all circles back to the fact that they didn't really have a plan. Uh, you know, <laughs> this year, even the last calendar year, we need wow. a button for this. We need like a noise or something you can hit. <laughs> You know, why is Hoiberg the coach? Why did he replace Thibodeau? Of course, there was a rift uh, personality-wise between Thibodeau in the front office. But also, Hoiberg was hired for his system, in a sense. Uh, I think that that was a really big part of it. And for, you know, this is going to be the second season. The Bulls just did not give him the personnel to fit his system. Last year, I thought that they were trying to pound square pegs into round holes. And this year, they only doubled down on those problems. They made things worse on the coach. So what's going to happen this year is the Bulls aren't going to be very good. Everyone's going to be upset. They're going to blame Hoiberg. And, you know, Hoiberg, certainly the jury's still out on whether or not he's a capable coach. But when you hire a guy for his system and don't give him the pieces to run that system, I think everything starts at the top in this organization. Uh, you can go all the way to Jerry Reinsdorf and him refusing to hold the front office accountable. Uh, Paxson and Foreman, I just don't think they have great conviction in their own ability to, like, identify talent and judge talent. And that sort of, as Prado was saying, it, it leaves them in this sort of middle ground where they don't want to be caught handing out bad contracts. They just don't have a lot of faith, I think, in their own ability to identify players they want and they need. And that's why, you know, you end up falling ass backwards into Dwayne Wade. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, and we uh, Prado talks about, like, not giving out those, like, huge contracts to some of these guys. Like, I know some of the names we talked about, like even before free agency as like Bulls fans was like Kent Bazemore and he ended up getting like 80 million. And I was kind of like, you know, I wouldn't, I don't really care if the Bulls don't like shell out all this money. That's why I thought they were actually going to get younger and more athletic, but maybe go after some like value guys kind of sit out free agency. They'd build a team around Jimmy Butler since they didn't trade him. And then they, and they'd kind of let him actually run the team. Like they traded Rose, they got rid of that. And then they would actually let Jimmy, like they would actually be Jimmy Butler's team you give them some young guys around it. You have Robin Lopez, a solid center. You let some of the other young guys play, kind of see where you're at. Maybe they are. They just end up being really bad, and they get a high draft pick out of it. And I, honestly, I would have been fine with that. It's it is the ba- the band aid like mentality and just like the the stay relevant mentality. I know some fans have no problem with that. I just I did, I don't like the idea. Like I'm not. I wasn't all for like completely tanking, but I just wanted to see some type of real commitment to actually going younger, like they said instead of going with the Band-Aid approach. Well, can they still go younger, though, within this season? Can they mix and match things? Are we just seeing this very linear, linearly and seeing it like Rondo, Wade, Butler, Gibson, like Mirich? It's like we're thinking about size and space, but really they do kind of have a young core of players who we haven't talked about. And and I would love to get your thoughts on maybe the backups here who might be the right people for Hoiberg's system that had been mentioned uh, a little earlier. I'm not sure if there's like a... Uh, a special sauce that maybe Tony Snell or Jerry and Grant, Doug McDermott, uh, Portis could could um, uh, Felicio, uh, who I sh- we should also talk about um, at, at some point here. If there's something they could maybe twist with Hoiberg's system that might actually be better than these these other bigger names. Ricky, you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I do like a lot of the young guys they have, and I think in a sense, you know, the idea of sort of building on parallel fronts and having that young core who they don't think is ready to, you know. Uh, become a playoff team yet, adding some veterans onto that, in theory, it seems to work out. In practice, I just don't know how successful it's going to be for them. Uh, you look at Denzel Valentine, I think that's a player who really could fit uh, You know what Fred Hoiberg wants to do, a guy who can move the ball, who can shoot with deep range, who has a great head for the game. Uh, Bobby Portis was shooting over 40% from three-point range in Summer League. He has a lot of questions to his game, certainly. I think defensively, he really needs to figure out what he's doing. 
Uh, but his jump shot's very good. He's he's a promising young player, I think. He always gives a lot of effort. Uh, and Felicio is another guy, someone who, uh, entering his really second NBA season, he can carve out a niche, I think, as a, as a pretty nimble big man, 275-pound guy. There's It's got to be one of the heaviest players in the NBA today. So I do both. Like, yeah. yeah, certainly. I, I do like a lot of their young guys. I think that, uh, you know, in theory, it's not it's not such a bad idea to add veterans to this young core. You just wonder if they're going to learn the right habits and be put in the position to succeed. Uh, you know, when they have sort of already their their front court, they've won too many guys in the front court. Either Felicio or Portis isn't going to play. Uh, are they going to trade Taj Gibson? Uh, you know, if they do that, I don't think that they're a, anywhere near a playoff team. Their only hope is that Taj Gibson can sort of hold together the defense at a certain point. So there's just so many questions coming into this season. And I do think, you know, from a long-term perspective, Bulls fans just have to hope that these young guys, Felicio, uh, you know, Jerry and Grant, Portis, Miritich, that they can sort of carve out a niche and find their place on this team this year because really the true future of the franchise rests a lot more with those dudes than it does with Wade and Rondo. See, all of that, I think, is why if you pick one of Wade and Rondo, I think that makes some sense, right? So you don't, you sign one of them, either either one. You know, Rondo, because the point guard market was really ridiculous this summer, and at least he can pass, and uh, okay. And then you have a spacer at the other wing. Or Wade, because he's a better player than Rondo, and then maybe you go cheaper at point guard and find a shooter. The problem with signing both is that now some of these young guys have to serve as this floor spacer. So it's sort of a – it's not a math problem, but it is sort of a a structural problem where – you can't really play if you need shooting around Rondo and Wade, and you're going to still play Butler. You can't then also play both McDermott and Miritich. There's just no way to play all five of those guys together. And then you have to pick one, and then so they end up sort of just kind of hanging out as the other three handle the ball. So I think that's where this this plan sort of breaks down. Because I agree with you, they have some promising players. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure they have any future stars in that group, um, but I think they have some interesting guys, uh, you know, with some skill. It's just that if there was only one of those veterans, then there would be room for more of the young players to play. Now it almost feels like you're going to have this like lethargic starting unit, and maybe you can mix and match so that uh, you can stagger a little bit. But I think that they just kind of made life hard on themselves by signing both Wade and Rondo. I think if they had just picked one, that would have made a lot more sense. Instead of I didn't understand why they did both Rondo and Wade. I, I would have gotten I would have understood Dwayne Wade. Like I would have liked if they would have just kept Etwan more. And he was like a placeholder take or a caretaker point guard. He's not a natural point guard, but he can shoot a bit. He can handle the ball a bit. He can play solid defense. So if they would have had Etwan, Jimmy, and D Wade as the backcourt, I feel like I would have felt a little better about that. I know the long term contract that Etwan got. Maybe they didn't want to give out give him three or four years. Maybe that's why, but I would even anybody else like find another cheap point guard out there, and then I would I would have I would have liked that better than the, the like you said the Ray, the Wade Rondo thing together just doesn't didn't make much sense to me. Two two words Ish Smith steal oh, the off season oh, steal man. the off season. All right, so we are, welcome, we've Detroit. already we've already fulfilled our contractually obligated Sixers reference for the show. <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, you know, by the way, yeah, I, yeah. He's and a I wish him the best. And I wish uh, him the congratulations. best. Congratulations. Yeah, but he's a former Sixers. So, <laughs> all right. So, anyway, we've talked about all this. So, like, is there a way that this can all actually work? Especially, I mean, the other thing we didn't talk about, too, is that defensively, I'm not sure how Wade Rondo backcourt is supposed to work either. So, it's not – we focus a lot on the offense, but I'm not sure defensively this works either. But is there a way that this all works somehow? One idea I kind of like is sort of inverting the court in a sense. Like, Wade's always been a pretty good post player. Butler, when he wants to get in the post, is fantastic at it. I'd like to see him play inside out a bit with their guards posting up and their their big men shooting. Uh, obviously, hmm. Miritich is going to be a huge part of that. And to me, coming into this offseason, the one thing I really wanted the Bulls to do is to empower Nikola Miritich. He's heading into his contract year. He was so, so good when he came back from the appendectomy last year, he had like four or five games where he hit seven plus threes in one game towards the end of last season. He was shooting like 44% from three-point range. He was unbelievable, but no one noticed because everyone was checked out on the Bulls at that point because it was very obvious and clear that they were garbage. Uh, the <laughs> with adding Rondo with adding Wade is that those guys control the ball so much, are they going to relegate Miritich to a spot-up shooter? Uh, to me, 
you got to get the ball to Miritich. And I kind of like the idea of playing the Portis Miritich front court together. How much defense would those guys play? That's obviously the big question. But the Bulls did it a few times last year. One game I remember specifically against the Knicks because I wrote about it after it, where they played in the fourth quarter and the Bulls' offense was unstoppable. And I don't think that that was uh, a coincidence because the spacing you could potentially get from those two guys. Listen, that's the only way the Bulls are going to generate any kind of shooting, any kind of spacing. Uh, this might be the only team in the NBA whose frontcourt players are better shooters than their backcourt players. You know the backcourt guys, uh, they're, they're certainly not floor spacers. Hoiberg's going to have to come up with some way for them to be effective without just spotting up on the three-point line. Uh, I like the idea of trying to you know, hit Miritich, hit Portis with the catch-and-shoots, and maybe play some McDermott at the four, see what happens. A quick point about the defense. Mike sure. brought it up, and Ricky kind of brought it up about playing like a Nico uh, Portis defensive front. I think we, we're kind of gloss over this. We talked about the offense a lot. I do worry about the defense and how some of these parts fit because Portis isn't a good defender by any means. Uh, Nico is still not great. And the Wade, Ron- Wade and Rondo thing, they're kind of declining defenders as well. So as much as we talk about the offense being a problem, I also do worry about the defense. And if they want to get some of these other offensive shooters on the court, like Doug, like Portis, like Nico, then you kind of worry about what they're giving up on the defensive end. Robin Lopez is a solid defender, but he's not a guy who can really control the middle of the court, like a prime Joakim Noah would. So it just it seems like all these mix and matches that they could try to do kind of, they sound, okay, maybe that'll work offensively. Then you'll get defensive problems. And it just, I feel like, I don't know if they'll be able to find like a couple really good lineups where it'll really work on both ends of the floor. I totally so, agree. And it's a symptom of a roster not having any two-way play. I mean, this was a problem last year. Mm-hmm. It's a problem again this season. Like at a certain point, the front office has to identify some guys who could play on both ends of the court. They haven't been able to do it up to this point. Um, so would you say that the roster, Ricky, was, is better this year moving into the season or where you were at this point last year in your opinion? Uh, I don't know. That's tough. So last year they went 42-40. and 40. They were the, the best team not to make the playoffs, whatever <laughs> that is in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can talk myself into it. I think I guess I'm just typically a bit of an optimistic person when it – when it comes to my favorite sports teams, I suppose, but I don't know. I mean, to me, like maybe they're the seventh seed. I could see him making the playoffs. I do think the addition of Lopez is a bit underrated because Joakim Noah only played 29 games last year. When Noah was in the lineup, the Bulls were a very good defensive team, uh, even though Noah was very limited from how he was in his prime. Uh, when yeah. Lopez was on the court last year, I believe the Knicks were a top 10 defensive team. You can only ask SB Nation's own Seth Rosenthal. <laughs> Robin Lopez takes. I think he likes Robin Lopez more than members of his own family. So He's I- blushing right now, by the way. He <laughs> he is a huge, okay. as you know, Robin yeah. Lopez fan. Yes, part of the fan club supporting uh, group. Yeah, so Robin Lopez has played 82 games in three of the last four years. If he could just give them some stability in the middle, that's one sort of under-the-radar move that I do think could be the type of thing that lifts this team back into playoff contention. I think the Bulls can make the playoffs. If you're asking me if they're going to be better or worse than last year, like, sure, they could make the playoffs. But, but the roster, though, as the roster is comprised, oh. like as the as the team is comprised, is more of that. Yeah, we'll get to the predictions on wins and losses. But I'm saying, do you do you think that this team right now? Do you like this roster? Now it's a lot different. It's got three uh, alphas, if you will, if you <laughs> if you want to use that term or what they called themselves. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think the roster is much better than last year, to be okay. honest. Because as we've gone over ad nauseum, the fit is just so poor yeah. between the Butler, Wade, Rondo backcourt. I mean, to anyone who's followed the recent trends of the NBA, it's just so glaringly obvious that the <laughs> Bulls just are not doing what everyone else is doing. And, and they're, not, they're not zagging when everyone else is zigging or something <laughs> like that. To me, it just seems like they don't know what they're doing. And they kind of they fell into Wade. It's like, do you want to take Wade? When he agrees to come here, you got to go get him uh, after, you know, he, he tells you he's going to come. So, uh, you know, to me, the, the fit of the roster is just so poor this year. And yeah, know, it's obvious. It's obvious for anyone to see. I agree. J- Jason, you tend to have that same sentiment. Yeah. I mean, I it's really is. This is almost a cow but I feel like just both last year and this year it just seemed like the fit wasn't great. They're, they're both talented. Just again, the fit is not great. So like I said, it's, I, I don't, I can't say, I feel like I like it probably worse just because of the direction I thought they were going in and that they didn't, and they didn't do it. So that probably kind of skews with the negativity for a little more in terms of me liking this roster compared to last year. But in the end, they're both kind of just meh for me compared for <laughs> what I was 
I guess hoping for. <laughs> uh, that's 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 kind of the the tone I, I figured uh, that I was going to get there, but I had to I had to kind of check it because I was, I was looking at the rosters. Last year's team was just a lot different. It just is such a huge tr- uh, turnover on this team. But there is one common thread, and that is, I believe, the the true alpha on the team. The number the number one option should be Jimmy Butler. Uh, we we could we should assume. I know the Prada. You have some specific questions here that you'd like to dig into because. Butler's quite a polarizing player and, and an interesting one from the outsider's perspective here. As a, is he a superstar? What is his true ceiling type guy? Uh, so, Mike, what were your questions on that? Well, let's start with the most basic one. How good do you guys think he is? Oof. Well, let's see. I know, I think SI had him at, uh, just using them as a baseline, I think like 16th, I think, on their list. Okay. I would say top 15 to 20 player, I think, makes sense. I would say he probably has reached his ceiling. I would not expect him ever to launch himself into like superstar status of like a top 10 player. But I think sure. where he is, is really good player. I would call him a star. He was an Olympian, but not that that means much. Harrison Barnes was an Olympian, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's a really good player. He, he'll get you 20 points a game. He's a developing passer, developing pick and roll player. He, his defense is usually really good. It's kind of declined the last couple of years because I think he's taken more offensive responsibilities. It's kind of hurt his defense. I don't know. I mean, he's not a guy where can you say, will he be the best player on a championship team? That's always a really hard question just because, I mean, there's only like a couple guys like that. Sure. But, uh, and then I th- he's a really good young player. He's 26, 27. With his contract now, he's, he's what is he making, like 17 million, 18 million year now in this new climate. That's really good. So he's got really good value. He's got two or three years left. So he's a he's a really good player to have. I know there were problems last year. There were problems with his leadership style, and that kind of that turned a lot of people off with the ISOs, with him clashing with Hoiberg. But I still think he was just trying to figure stuff out. The team was a mess in general last year. So I think having Jimmy Ball around and the fact that they did not trade him for a garbage trade was the right move. Like If they could have gotten some crazy value from the Celtics or a crazy value from the Wolves, yeah, they could have gone ahead, gone with like a full rebuild. I would have been fine with that. But based on the reporting that was out there, I was totally fine with keeping Jimmy Butler around. And he's a good guy to have around. He works hard. And he's, he's a two-way value. player. Yeah, two-way exactly. players. The, the, the only, only one that came up. The only one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Although I would say his defense slipped a little bit last year. Yeah, just I agree, because totally of, agree. I think he was in. He had some injuries, and I think also he was carrying a high load. I'm kind of curious about this whole thing with his leadership because. Last year, I think some of what happened was that there was a little bit of a tug and a push and pull with him and Derrick Rose, just because Rose was such a towering figure on the team for so long, and I think it, it was awkward, even though they maybe liked them, each other personally. Um, and there was also, you know, some complaints about Butler's maybe leadership style, maybe a little too abrasive at times. But I also think these are like kind of symptoms of thing of a problem that isn't a problem. I think this is. His heart is in the right place, I think, with all this, and it's. It, I I actually buy his explanation that he's kind of learning how to grow, um, and I I just thought it was interesting that he was in trade rumors. First of all, I, I whether he was really close to being traded or not, we don't know. But I thought it was a little strange that that noise was bubbling up so much around the draft. I wonder what was going on there, and then while he has said that he has pushed to have Dwayne Wade, I just wonder if all this sort of undermines his status as the guy who really should be the guy on this team. And is he good enough to be the guy? I don't, I'm not sure he's quite good enough, but you're not, there's no superstar aisle where you're picking this all, picking up superstars and pick, start adding them to your team. He's pretty damn good for what he is. So what, what do we think is going to happen with his standing on the team and his standing as a leader now that Wade and Rondo are also in the picture? Uh, Is it going to be as seamless as they all say it will? Uh, I think that that's a really hard question to ask be- or to answer right now because while Wade certainly said you know the right thing saying it was Butler's team uh, at the press conference, it all well, the only thing that matters is what happens in the heat of the moment. Uh, you know when things are getting tough during the season because you know I'm sure the Bulls everything is <laughs> going to be going well for them the whole year. Uh, to go back to last year, I-, I really have to defend Butler just because you know if you follow his route to the league. This was really the first time he was ever in the position last year where he was the best player on his team. This was a guy who, in high school, had to go to JUCO because he couldn't get a D1 scholarship. Uh, you know, the, in, at Marquette, he was never, like, the guy. I think that a lot of people were even surprised he was the first-round pick, ended up being uh, the last pick in the first round. And, 
even the Bulls will tell you that they had no idea he was going to develop into this dude who's a multi, multi-time all-star and, you know, potentially one of the best 15, 20 players in the league. Uh, when you just look at the way the Bulls uh, really crumbled the last two years, I think that the fact that Butler wanted to speak up and say, you know, hey, we this can't keep happening. We need to get our act together. That's a good thing to me. And, there, you know, he'll catch a lot of local criticism because he's friends with Mark Wahlberg now and people will say he's turned Hollywood as hell. Uh, to me, those are cheap shots in a sense because the guy works as hard as anyone. He gets better every single year. I mean, you could just pull up his basketball reference page and see, you know, in specific areas how he's improved his game. Last season, his assist rate jumped to 21% from 14% the year before. The guy gets better and better every year. Uh, and, you know, you can ask, is he a true superstar, whatever. I know that two way wings are super valuable right now. I know yeah. that, uh, you know, two years ago, he shot 38% from three, which was. Uh, pretty good. If he can get back to that number instead of the 31% he shot last year, I think, you know, certainly uh, the Bulls are going to be in a much better spot. I just think that he catches too much criticism. People are too easy to sort of take out the the top guy and poke holes in him. Like, this was a guy who never should have been in a position to be a top 15 NBA player. He's worked his ass off, and he gets better every single year and has turned into it. So uh, yeah. I think the learning process to, you know, assume that responsibility of being a leader – Last year he was thrown into the fire of it, and I think that, you know, as, as this goes forward, he should be better off for that experience. Yeah, I, I like Jimmy Butler also. I, one of the things that, that I think was kind of weird about last year was there was this vibe of, of veterans who I don't think wanted to be there in some capacity, or it was not, not the place that they wanted to be playing basketball. The team kind of had a, a malaise at points because they were, they were good in the middle of the season. Uh, at one point, as I was looking at their power rankings from last year, they were like, like six and they were like 25 and 18 or something like that. Um, but, uh, you're right about Butler. I think I think that he tried to carry the team's energy and he carried a lot of weight on his shoulders. But I'm looking at his stats also, and you're right about that as well, about the progression of his numbers. And he did shoot almost 38% uh, from three-point land two years ago, which would be you know great. But you hit it on the head. I'm glad you mentioned it, Ricky, is that the position is everything here too. There just aren't any wings that are you know, 6'7", 220, can guard up against a guy the size of LeBron or whatnot or guard anyone quicker on the wing. Um He's a he's a very interesting guy because you're right. Most of the guys who are the stars at that position have been the best player at every level. If you look at every single other superstar, basically, who plays wing in the NBA, maybe aside from Paul George, but he was pretty good, I'm sure, in high school as well. I know he went to Fresno or something like that. But point being here, a little bit different trajectory. So I buy that. I like the fact that he is a different story. Jason, you got any extra thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of wanted to follow up what you said real quick about the the veterans that not wanting to be there type deal. And uh, mm. I think this was mentioned with, with Derek Rose earlier. And I think I also read that there was some tension between, I think, Butler and Joakim Noah. Mm. And it seemed like there was kind of like two camps almost set up. There were kind of like the, uh. the there was like the Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, uh, Joakim Noah camp. And then there was kind of like the Pow and Jimmy kind of camp. And they kind of, it just kind of created a weird vibe on the whole team. And Hoiberg didn't really know how to, how to deal with it. And sure. then, and there was kind of just a leadership void because I think Rose really has never been like an outspoken leader. Noah is that kind of guy, but he's been declining. He's, his play doesn't really kind of, he doesn't have that standing as much anymore. And he was hurt as well. So yeah. I think Butler was trying to jump into a leadership void. He kind of, he was a bit abrasive. He was kind of brash. The Hollywood is hell type thing. I think there was something kind of, <laughs> kind of to that, but I think that's also probably a bit overrated. And I think it just was kind of a perfect storm of just just kind of eh, coming together, and it just made him look worse than it really did. And it was kind of unfortunate to see a lot of fans turn on him because I, I saw it on Twitter all the time. That's, not that that's like the fan base as a whole, but I saw a lot of people really resenting Butler, and it's just kind of weird because while I kind of I kind of get some, well, how his attitude turned some people off, as Ricky said, the guy works super hard. He is a really, really good player, and I think people should – I think people were kind of quick to turn on him too fast after some of the mess that happened. That just wasn't his fault totally. It was, he was part of it, but it was a whole team-wide failure on, the, on, that, on that front. Yeah, I, I agree with you all. I hope the Bulls know what they have in him because I fear that maybe they don't uh, for whatever reason. I think it is a, a sharp point to remember that there was sort of the Tibbs brigade and then the, the new guys, and Butler was sort of caught a little bit in the middle of the two. 
uh, last year, and I think that that made a difference. So I I hope they know what they have in him because I mean I'm looking if I'm another team and I'm looking at that situation right now, I'm like keeping my radar on trying to poach him in a trade if things start to go badly, and I don't think that would be a good thing for the Bulls. Um, but anyway, uh, let's get on to some questions, some reader questions that you guys have tweeted at us. You can always do that by tweeting at the limited upside handle. You can also email me at mikepreda at espionation.com. Um, this is a question first from Jacob Bickshorn. Uh, I believe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, what are carriers of improvement to watch with uh, Bobby Portis in year two? Very aggressive rookie year. Uh, has his moments. Like, what are you guys looking for for him in the second year? What does he have to get better at to play? So I think defense is the big one. Uh, I know when you look at his on-off numbers, I was following the entire year. The Bulls' defense was a disaster. I know that's and those that doesn't tell the whole story, but the his the defense was a disaster with him on the court last year, and just his general awareness on that end of the floor just was really not there at all. So he's got to improve his awareness defensively. He's got the tools to be a pretty solid defender. He's pretty lengthy. He's tall. He can he can be solid. So obviously, big time defense, big time, and then offensively, his jump shot should be a huge weapon in in whatever Hoy Ball is. And he's got to get better with shot selection because I know there were times last year where he'd get the ball and that ball would go up right away. He kind of had some tunnel vision. So I think just better defensive awareness, defense in general, and then shot selection and just being a bit more judicious judicious on that front would uh, help Bobby Portis a lot. Yeah, and I think reps too. You look at a guy who's yeah. pretty young and pretty raw, so he'll get better in, in exponential leaps, assuming he takes uh, advantage of everything given to him here, which it looks like he does. It'd be nice if he didn't try to shoot every goddamn time he had the ball. <laughs> oh, God, he is so hyperactive. <laughs> uh, cool. Next question we have here is from uh, Alan Jenkins. Let's see. Will the Bulls make any threes this year? Their best three-point shooter is their power forward. Ricky, thoughts? They do have some decent shooters on this team. Doug McDermott really took major steps forward last season as a shooter. I think that you know he could be a guy who is one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. It's just what else is he going to bring to the table? He doesn't get any blocks, doesn't get any rebounds, doesn't get any assists. <laughs> he is a shooter. He doesn't play much defense either. Uh, but you know if they can put him in a position to get some catch and shoes, I could certainly see him shooting you know above a close to a league-leading average on three-point percentage. Miritich has been so streaky as a shooter. You just hope that he's closer to the second half of last year than the first half. And I think Denzel Valentine is really underrated as a shooter. If you look at his college numbers, his volume and his percentage was so close to Buddy Heald's, even though Heald got all this attention as the shooter. I want to say that Valentine was taking seven attempts a game and knocking him down 44% of the time. Uh, He also averaged seven and a half assists a game as well. So he's a really well-rounded player. You know, his problem is obviously just his athleticism. Is he going to defend? So if you have a lineup where you have Valentin, uh, McDermott, Miritich, there's your shooting, but do they play any defense? It's, it's an, It all circles back to the Bulls not having enough two-way players. And I agree, three-point shooting is going to be an issue for him. You just hope that, uh, you know, they can get their capable three-point shooters the ball in the right position at times. A question on that as a follow-up. Uh, and, and, Mike, you sent me this piece today by uh, Chris Picard on, on uh, Nylon Calculus. He talked just about that, the positioning of where the shooters are going to get the ball. Uh, Mike, you, you've read this, I'm sure, with a much more um, astute eye than a very, I. A very <laughs> dense piece, that's for sure. I mean, it was basically talking about where Rondo gets his assists. And one of the things right. – I mean, if you just watch Rondo play, like he does kind of that little like weaving and maneuvering and the trail threes. Uh, not necessarily a point guard that gets a ton of corner three assists. So, I mean, I, I worry a little bit about how he'll actually, how much he'll actually help McDermott and Miritich and those guys. A couple more questions uh, beyond that. This is from your from your co-blogger, uh, Vijay Vimu. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Cristiano Felicio? And his value to the Bulls bench. What can we expect from this? By the way, who is Cristiano Felicio to those who may not know? So, Cristiano Felicio did play with, I believe, Brazil on the in the Rio Olympics this year. The Bulls picked him up. I think he was just like an end-of-the-bench guy last year. They kind of found him. So, it's good job to the Bulls' uh, international scouting department. He uh, didn't play much at the start of last year. He kind of got intermittent minutes, but he came on. He's, I think Ricky, Ricky mentioned this earlier. He's about 6'10", 6'11". 270 some pounds. I think Felicio is a nice, is a pretty nice player to have off, coming off the bench. I know Ricky and I have talked, joked about just being all over the Felicio hype train. I know some Bulls fans <laughs> have done that as well. Let's not get too crazy about him, but I think he he can be a really solid player. 
He showed some really nice strides as a roll man and finishing and pick and rolls. He said he's big, he's semi-athletic, he, and he can play a little defense. Like I think he's a really nice guy to have off your bench to play 15, 20 minutes a game as a backup center. He can fill in as a starter in a pinch. So I think he, I think he should have a really nice year if he can get the minutes. Like I said, there's there are a lot of uh, guys in the front court there. I think I wouldn't surprise me to see a Taj Gibson trade to kind of free up minutes for Portis and Felicio so they can both mm. play. But I think I think he'll be a really nice piece for the Bulls this year and hopefully going forward. Uh, hopefully Fred doesn't have a short Felicio with him on the, <laughs> the bench. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of other worse puns you could have made with a guy whose last name is Felicio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. Hopefully, he doesn't. He uh, he doesn't. Cristiano doesn't piss him off, and then Fred will say bye, Felicio, to him. Bye, Felicio. Yeah, that was that was on the tip, the tip of everyone's tongue, Mike, and you went and you okay. said it. Okay, well, I'm, that's what I do. I say the things that nobody else wants to say. I go where no person has gone before in the pun world. Uh, let's see. Well, one more question for uh, for Ricky. Here. Actually, I'll combine two. Dan Finnegan sent us a good one. Uh, so did Jay uh, Jay Quiles. Uh, let's combine this. Uh, if the Bulls miss the playoffs. What are the chances that Wade opts out and Rondo's not retained? And then in that same kind of world where things apparently don't go well, uh, is there a situation where Fred Hoiberg doesn't finish the season as the head coach? I'll start with the second one. No, Fred Hoiberg's definitely going to be the coach because he got a five-year fully guaranteed contract from everything I've heard, uh, all five years guaranteed. Jerry Reinsdorf paid Tom Thibodeau $9 million combined to buy out his last two seasons. There's an absolutely no chance he's going to fire Hoiberg with three years left on his deal. That's just not going to happen. I think he gets at least four years, to be honest, especially because of his tie-in with the front office, especially mm-hmm. because Reinsdorf isn't going to hold Gar Foreman and John Paxson accountable. Like, yeah. Reinsdorf probably thinks the Bulls had a great offseason, getting names <laughs> like Rondo and Wade. He's uh, like, my grandchildren know them. They like their jerseys. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I think Hoiberg's going to be around, and I just – my one thing with Hoiberg is I just wish he would get some personnel that would fit his system because it's going to be tough to ultimately judge him on his on that hire if uh, if he never had the players to really do what he wanted to do. Uh, the first question, the chances Wade and Rondo are around next season, I mean, God, I hope they are. Do you hope that, Rondo, that Wade opts out of that, whatever it is, $23 million contract or whatever, Rondo, I think it's $3 million guaranteed uh, on next season's deal, so not too bad. It would be $14 million if they bring him back. I mean, I hope that both those guys are gone, to be honest. But, I mean, we'll see. It all depends on how the season plays out. If the Bulls end up being, I don't know, maybe a 5 or a 6 seed, maybe they give someone a run for their money in the playoffs, maybe those dudes come back. Maybe Dwayne Wade recruits another past-his-prime superstar to play with them in Chicago next season. But, uh, you know, it's too early to tell. you got to see how the season how the season uh, plays out. Didn't doesn't Rondo have that weird like guarantee, but also a player option contract, like a two way sort of thing? Yeah, uh, I think it's a two way. Yeah, so if he has a good season, he's probably opting out, and if he has a bad season, the a really bad season, the Bulls will probably let him go. So I think it's pretty unlikely he'll be back next year. Yeah. Uh, well, that leads us to I guess some predictions. I guess it's that time of the podcast where we we always put our uh, our guests on the record so we can hold this over your head when your team either makes playoffs and we're talking about them in a positive sense uh, months and months from now, or we're doing this again this time next year about what went wrong. It's great, um, and Ricky, I'm sure you'll be joining again, Jason. It's great to have you on for the first time, man. And uh, so I really appreciate you guys uh, both joining us. Time for those predictions, and Prado, we'll get yours as well. I know you. Uh, you follow those Bulls pretty closely. Uh, they were 42-40 and 40 last season. Ricky, where do you think they end this season? Here's my prediction, and I already regret saying it before it <laughs> comes out of my mouth. And this might be a symptom of working with Mr. Mike Prada every day, but I, my prediction is I think the Bulls are going to be better than the Wizards. I don't nice. know. If that, yes. is, that, is that crazy? I don't know. I mean, neither of them are particularly inspiring Wait, to me. Have I like, <laughs> have I like bugged you so much that you're kind of going the total opposite way to, to bug me? Like, what do you mean, like as a product of working with me? I'm I'm kind of confused. Well, you're a Wizards fan. I listened to you talk about the Wizards on the Nate Duncan podcast. I thought you broke down that team's uh, you know strengths and weaknesses pretty well. And I don't know. Like the Bulls were one game better than the Wizards last year. This, so you're just trying just, to spite me. Okay, all right, all right. I see how it is. Bulls are going to be – I mean, they're not going to be good. I'm not, like, optimistic <laughs> about it, but I think they could be the seventh seed. I know Prada said that the Wizards could be the seventh seed on the Duncan podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that seventh seed is sort of where, where I 
I think they're they're probably going to be you know in that mix with you know four or five other teams, whatever it is. Yeah, so there's that like huge blob in the Eastern Conference where there you obviously have the Cavs first, Raptors, Celtics next, and there's like a million other teams that could be <laughs> kind of good. Like the literal like best case scenario for the Bulls is maybe finishing it like towards the top of those teams. I do not think that's going to happen. I, me and Ricky are both uh, kind of both on the same page on this. When we first did, we talked about this right after the Wade Rondo thing happened. I think we put our over under at like forty three and a half wins, and I think that's probably where they'll end up. It'll be similar to last year, 43-44 wins. I do think they'll that'll be good enough to get them in the playoffs as a lower seed. Since they have some super, not superstar, but star-like talent, they could probably, in a slow-down playoff series, they could probably give a team a run for their money. But I'm not confident in them actually winning a playoff series. I just, I just don't see how it actually comes together and actually does work in the best-case scenario or even like a really good scenario. So I do think I'll make, they'll make the playoffs, which is better than some people think. I know some people think that it's going to be a complete <laughs> disaster. I can absolutely see that happening, too. And I wouldn't, honestly, if it did happen, the disaster... I would kind of enjoy watching a disaster, not going to lie. Really? But, yeah. I don't believe you. Whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm generally a pessimistic Bulls fan, so when they're bad, I can just make jokes, and it's kind of fun. So this falling all apart and blowing up in Gar Foreman's face would not really be a bad thing for me. Okay. I'd kind of, I'd, I, would, I would sickly enjoy it. I think a lot of Bulls fans are in that boat, to be honest. I think you know people would not be too upset if this ends up blowing up in their face because... People were very confused by the offseason. I think that they don't like the overall direction of the team right now. They wish they would, uh, you know, find a new general manager, find some new front office voices. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with Jason there. If it blows up in their face, no one's, none of the, you know, the diehard fans are losing sleep over it. Are you guys, are you guys uh, Cubs fans, though? This is a quick question. Are you both Cubs fans? Jason is. Jason is. So that must help the the kind of feeling of the Bulls fan base a little bit to have like a somewhat transcendent sports team that you can focus on as this is all coming into picture now during the season. Like hopefully the first month of the season you'll be spent watching or close to that month, but the month of October leading into it, you'll be spent watching baseball. So potentially positive things might come your way. Potentially, I'm not going to jinx it. Yeah, but but what happens? What happens to the Cubs? Do not win. The don't, World you, know, you don't go there, Mike. Until I'm just they, saying until that, that might be it. Might be have a negative effect. Um, I think this will be a disaster. I think they're going to be <laughs> real bad. I do not see. I, I don't know what they're going to be good Shocker. at. I, I think they're going to be. I, I would be very surprised. I would be surprised if they're worse than they're better than the Wizards. And I'm not saying the Wizards are going to be any amazing shakes, but I think I just don't see how this is possibly going to work. You're combining three very strong personalities with a head coach who the problem with them last year was that he was not a strong enough personality, according to his own players. That was what Jimmy Butler said about him, was it not? So, and then it, I don't see how it works. I. And maybe a bit of a hot take, but I think they might be in the low 30s and wins. Like, I think they're going to be far from the playoffs. I think they might be the worst team in this bunch. Just when you, I really, I, I really don't think this is going to work. Find well that whole all. bunch real quick. Is that is that Knicks, Bucks, Knicks, Magic, Bucks, Washington, Magic Bulls, Washington, Detroit, Detroit, Indiana? I think Detroit's yeah. going to be better, but you know, Indiana, Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, Miami. You think they could be the worst of that whole bunch, huh? I think they, yeah. It's on the table for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even people who I think could see it, you know, potentially ending in a playoff seed, like the the total disaster scenario is a thousand percent on the table. If it happens, <laughs> no one's going to be surprised. <laughs> and it might be a good thing in the long run because then I think if they get if they fall out of it early, then maybe they'll start to play some of their younger, more promising players earlier. Um, but yeah, are they going to be like the Knicks and Lakers were last year on national television all the time and and awful to watch? Is uh, that they what... have the second most national <sighs> television games. That's horrible. I'm so sorry, America, that you have to watch the Chicago Bulls. You don't deserve that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Weren't they amazing on Thursday nights last year, or like in historically? Like, don't they have like an amazing TNT Thursday record? I remember Jason, you were keeping track of this at one point. They absolutely, they absolutely do at home. When it's home games, Thursday night, I think at TNT, they like never lose. It doesn't matter who they play. They beat anybody. They'll play the, the Cavs. They'll play anybody. There was a stretch where they had won like a ton of games in a row on TNT. But I feel like even when they would win those games, I feel like all those games were usually just like ugly, grinded out slugfest. Like the, there have been the last few years, because the Bulls are always hurt and Derrick Rose is always hurt, where the Bulls would have all these, they'd be a solid team. They'd have all these national TV games. 
But they would just be no fun to watch. It'd just be ugly, and people would hate watching all those games. But they would win. I remember the game that wasn't there. The game where they beat the Thunder and um, Billy Donovan didn't call that timeout at the end. And I was super confused by that. I'm I'm checking the TNT schedule right now to see how many home home games they have on TNT this year uh, to try to see how many uh, how many wins they'll have there. Let's see. They've got one. You guys keep talking while I'm looking at this. I'm just let's see one. Well, I mean, I mean, Two, I guess is the point we're making. We're gonna have three, to watch the Bulls all the time. Yes, we're gonna that's have to yeah. watch the Bulls all the time. That's what we're saying. That's, that's four, they might have if this holds up like four wins on the books. Yeah, that's four wins right there. Even though they're playing good teams, that's four home TNT games on Thursdays. So I wonder fun. if that if that magic is gonna continue though, like because it's a completely different core of the team. Like I just think the general spirit of Joe Noah was good enough to pull out <laughs> some of those bogus wins. <laughs> <laughs> that's gone now they got robin lopez punching mascots they got rondo dribbling the ball for 23 seconds on the shot clock i don't know you got, you got lopez punching mascots and i think rondo will be punching hoiberg like a month or two <laughs> in possibly <laughs> oh man yeah, that was a good point by Prater. they're gonna run all over hoiberg i mean hoiberg's not gonna be able to he's not gonna be able to do anything how much this. older is hoiberg than wade like uh seven eight years yeah something yeah. like that not enough distance there, not enough. especially when like you're like you were probably my backup on a team, and I don't re- when I don't remember that or didn't remember that you were my backup type situation. Um, and we'll see. A lot of powerful personalities on what could end up being a, a wonderful experiment uh, or a thirty win team, as Mike Prada has just predicted on our Bulls Summer Limited Upside podcast here. But uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to get a. Uh, Two aficionados and two true voices of the Chicago Bulls fan base. And uh, Ricky O'Donnell and Jason Pat here. Really, really, really appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for carving out some time in the middle of the week here uh, at night with us. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like Prada's prediction the more I think about it. I oh, okay, all right. See, this is, this is how it works at, 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 at Vox HQ. Like, I say something, and then it takes about 10 minutes for everybody else to agree with me, but they don't do it right away. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, He's helpful, too. <laughs> uh, we are done with the lottery team so ne- we got 16 playoff teams coming up next we, uh, we'll start that process with the Rockets early next week uh, with our friends at the Dream Shake and then we got Memphis and then after that Dallas so we are done with the lottery we are moving on to strange uh, playoff teams at the bottom of the west so eventually we'll get to actually really good teams yeah, huge, huge difference between the uh, Rockets at 41 and 41 and the Bulls at 42 oh. and 40. Um, <laughs> we're basically doing the Western Conference's Wizards in our next podcast, but I'm looking forward to the Rockets because they got some interesting characters. They're an interesting team to talk about. A lot of front office things we can get into. This was a much more player-heavy podcast, and I like that. That's what I appreciate. We really get into a roster. But uh, again, thank you to uh, Jason Patton, Ricky O'Donnell. Prada, as always, way to know every single team in the NBA. And until next time, Limited Upside Podcast.